Brother Norton's Honeymooners Trivia Podcast. Oh, hello there. <laughs> I didn't expect no company. You mind if we visit for a while? Hmm? Don't forget, you are the king. Because a man's home is his castle. And in that castle, you're the king. <laughs> you're the king of your castle. <laughs> After all, love and happiness is all I have to offer her. I don't possess a mansion, a villa in France, a yacht, or a string of palapanes. Little strong, but good. <laughs> Very amusing little bottle of wine. <laughs> This is your host, Brother Norton, and we have show number 54 of the Honeymooners Trivia Podcast. Before we get started, I'd like to mention that the holidays are coming up, and what better way to show your love for the Honeymooners TV show than to give the gift of the Honeymooners to friends and family. What am I talking about? Well, I have a wonderful Honeymooners Etsy store, which has many great Honeymooners items. I have an 18 by 24 quote poster, four different Honeymooners themed mugs for sale that are my own creation based on several classic 39 episodes. There's also vinyl for your car with uh, many quotes to choose from from the show. And especially nice this time of year are my Honeymooners Christmas cards. The outside is a vintage drawing from the 1950s of a family gathered around a TV set watching the Honeymooners. Inside the card is Ralph's speech from the end of the classic 39 episode, Twas the Night Before Christmas. These cards are 4x6 and come with envelopes. I also have a shirt that says Full Grown Nut, which I create myself in my own print shop. And with election year coming up, how cool would it be to have a crammed in Norton 2020 magnet on your car? So just go over to Etsy. That's Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y, and search The Honeymooners TV Show, and my shop should come up. If you can't find it, just email me, and I'll send you the link. On Facebook, I run a wonderful group with my co-admin, Joy Contreras. And if you're not a member of my Facebook group, The Raccoon Lodge, then you need to join as soon as possible. Every day we have some great posts over there, and members are certifiably full-grown nuts. I also do Raccoon of the Month, and I pick one of the raccoons from the top 15, and that is rated on your post and comments, how much you participate in the group. So just look up the Honeymooners Raccoon Lodge, and you'll find my group. And as always, I want to thank Joe Conte and Louis Fats for always mentioning me on their great podcast that they have. And they also mention my Facebook group. And I really appreciate it. And their podcast is simply called The Honeymooners Podcast. 
And you can find that on iTunes and Spotify and many other podcast-driven apps. They put out a show every week, and they go into great detail on the episodes. They also have some trivia, and along with their own insights into the show, it's just a great podcast, just two guys talking about the Honeymooners. And whether you're just a casual fan of the show or a full-grown fanatic, you will enjoy their podcast, so go check it out. So we'll start on the trivia, and in the middle of the show, we'll have some extra items of interest. On today's show, we'll go over the Twilight Zone episode in which Art Carney starred, called Night of the Meek, and Art plays Santa, so this is appropriate for today's show. And then we'll have a character spotlight, and then at the end of the show, we'll continue on the chapter in Audrey Meadows' book Love, Alice, which is called Marilyn Monroe, Never Lived on Chauncey Street. Uh, We'll have part two. We'll have the conclusion on the following show. So we have kind of a jam-packed show for you today. And we're going to go on to the trivia right now. And as always, we have four from the Classic 39 and four from the Lost episodes. And Brian Carney will be back in the booth with our bonus question. Come on! Okay, Ralph, just just simmer down. Okay, question number one is from the Classic 39 episode Palomine, which first aired November 19th, 1955. When Norton is leaving the hospital after his accident down on Himrod Street, he forgets something in the room he was in. What did he forget on the table in the hospital room? Was it A, his wallet? Was it B, his watch? Was it C, his book? Or was it D, his reading glasses? Question number two is from the lost episode Jelly Beans, which first aired November 22nd, 1952. Alice reminds Ralph that he wouldn't go with her to buy a dress the night before last because A, he was tired, B, he had an executive meeting, C, he was going bowling, or D, he had to work late. Question number three is from the Classic 39 episode, Opportunity Knocks Butt, which first aired May 5, 1956. Ralph and Norton were invited over to Mr. Marshall's to teach him how to play some pool. Norton and Ralph are admiring Mr. Marshall's pool room in his house. Norton picks up a trophy off the mantle and reads the inscription, What did Mrs. Marshall win this award for? Was it A, first prize, Ladies Bowling League Championship? Was it B, first prize, Brooklyn Bingo Tournament? Was it C, first prize, Pie Eating Contest? Or was it D, first prize, International Dog Show? Question number four is from the lost episode, Two Tickets to the Fight, which first aired on October 24th, 1953. Ralph fakes that his back is hurting him to get out of something Alice had planned. Ralph and Norton are supposed to go to a boxing match, but Ralph's scheme backfires, and Norton ends up taking who to the boxing match instead. Who does he take? Is it A, his friend McGillicuddy? Is it B, Trixie? Is it C, his cousin Phil? Or is it D, Alice's uncle George? 
Okay, we're going to break for a commercial. When I come back, I'll have the answers to the first four questions. And then we'll delve into the Twilight Zone episode, Night of the Meek. Let her put you in the driver's seat. vacation really let yourself go go hertz class with a new chevrolet or other fine car you'll see things you've never seen before do things you've never done before hertz lets you change the pace completely go where you want when you want if you wish take up to 20 months to pay with the new hertz revolving credit plan so why hold yourself back you get a rest while hertz does the rest Okay, and I'm back uh, with the answers to the first four questions. Question number one was from the classic 39 episode Palomine. When Norton's leaving the hospital after his accident down on Himrod Street, he forgets something in his hospital room that he has to go back for. And that was B, his watch. I wonder if it was his Mickey Mouse watch. Question number two was from the lost episode, Jelly Beans. Alice reminds Ralph that he wouldn't go with her to buy a dress the night before last because A, he was tired. Question number three was from the classic 39 episode, Opportunity Knocks Butt. Ralph and Norton are invited over to Mr. Marshall's to teach him how to play pool. While in uh, Mr. Marshall's pool room, uh, Norton picks up a trophy, and he reads the inscription on the trophy. And what does that say? It has to do with Mrs. Marshall. And we're going to let Norton tell us. First prize, International Dog Show, awarded to Mrs. J.J. Marshall. Well, she might not be attractive, but she's a very lovely woman. <laughs> For breeding dogs. Oh, 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 boy. And that was D, first prize international dog show. Question four was from the lost episode, two tickets to the fight. Ralph fakes that his back is hurting him to get out of something that Alice had planned. Ralph and Norton, they were supposed to go to a boxing match, but Norton ends up taking who to the boxing match instead of Ralph. And that was D, Alice's Uncle George. Okay, and now for our first special segment. And we're going to talk about the Twilight Zone episode, Night of the Meek, which starred Art Carney as Santa. I'm not going to read the whole plot of the story, maybe just the beginning. But I wanted to um, read the introduction to the episode. And uh, if you haven't seen this episode uh, and you're a Honeymooners fan, I know it doesn't have to do with the Honeymooners except Art Carney, but it's a great episode. And it's one of those, it was the season that was filmed um, a little bit different. So 
the um, transfer of the film looks like you're actually watching it live. I mean, I, it's hard to describe. It's a little different than how they film the other seasons. So this is the introduction, and as snow begins to fall, a drunk Henry Corwin, wearing his Santa Claus suit, stumbles and half falls at a curbside lamppost. He is approached by two tenement children, pleading for toys, a Christmas dinner, and a job for my daddy. As Corwin begins to sob, the camera pans to Rod Serling, standing on the sidewalk, wearing a winter coat and scarf. And this is the intro, this is what Rod Serling says. This is Mr. Henry Corwin, normally unemployed, who once a year takes the lead role in the uniquely popular American institution, that of the department store Santa Claus, in a road company version of The Night Before Christmas. But in just a moment, Mr. Henry Corwin, or Sat Santa Claus, will enter a strange kind of North Pole, which is one part the wondrous spirit of Christmas, and one part the magic that can only be found in the Twilight Zone. So the basic plot of the episode, uh, yes, it starts out where he's a, you find out he's a department store Santa. Uh, he's in a bar. He's already had, I don't know, four drinks, six drinks, and the bartender kicks him out on the sidewalk. Then he comes upon a bag, sort of a magic bag, and he finds out that uh, whatever anyone requests, he can pull out of the bag. And he eventually gets arrested, and the police do not believe him until they ask for a certain year brandy, and he reaches into the bag and pulls it out, and they let him go. Because I think at that point, they might actually start believing that he's Santa Claus. And then towards the end of the episode, he runs into someone that he had given a gift to. And this person realizes that um, Henry has not received a gift. And he asks Henry what gift he would like. And he indicates that he would love or he would like to do this every year. And then by the end of the episode, um, soon after, uh, I think we see Henry with an elf and also... Um, flying the sleigh. So uh, that's how it pretty much ends. And we realize that maybe this is really Santa Claus. So it's, it's a really interesting, and it is the Twilight Zone, so it's a little odd. So there's my take on uh, Night of the Meek. It's one of my favorites. I watch it every season. And I'm sure you can find it on, uh, might even be on Netflix or one of the, either Hulu or Amazon Prime, one, one of them uh, would have the Twilight Zone episodes. So. so next up we have our character spotlight. And this is the segment where we find out a little bit more about some of the character actors that were on the Honeymooners Classic 39 episodes. Those are actors that maybe had a bit part, only were on one episode, or some were on more than one. But this particular person, uh, her name is Anne Seymour, and I'm going to play a soundbite, and maybe you'll 
remember what character she played. Oh, hi, Mrs. Stevens. Uh, oh, hello, Mrs. Stevens. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I, I tell you why I dropped by. I'm leaving now for Bayonne to spend Christmas with my sister. Uh -huh. And I have built something for you for Christmas that I wanted to give you. Oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, it's nothing. I just wanted to remember you. Well, I have something for you, too. Oh, well, say. Everybody give well, <laughs> What do you say if we, we won't see each other again until after Christmas? We open them now? All right. Okay, let's find out about Ann Seymour. The daughter of a copper expert, William Stanley Eckert, and an actress and museum curator, Mae Davenport, character actress Anne Seymour was born on September 11, 1909, in New York City. She was the seventh generation of a theatrical family that could be tracked back to Ireland in 1740. Her great-uncle was the popular character actor Harry Davenport and her two older brothers were writer James Seymour and actor John Seymour. Anne trained for the stage at the American Laboratory Theater School with Richard Boleslawski and Maria Ospenkaya and began her career performing with the Jitney Players. She, as did her brothers, eventually changed her stage moniker from Eckert to her mother's maiden name of Seymour. After touring throughout New England, Anne made her New York debut in Mr. Moneypenny in 1928. Other Broadway shows followed, including At the Bottom, 1930, and A School for Scandal, 1931. The following year, she entered the world of radio drama. Her distinctively warm style and vocal timbre were perfect for playing some of radio's noblest, self-sacrificing heroines. She portrayed Mary Marlin for 11 popular seasons. It turned out to be her most identifiable role. In the late 1940s, Anne switched to film and made an auspicious debut as Lucy Stark in the Oscar-winning picture All the King's Men, 1949. Although movie appearances would remain sporadic and relatively minor, Anne was a solid, capable player during the golden age of television and could be seen dressing up many glossy dramas, including Studio One in Hollywood, 1948, and Robert Montgomery Presents, 1950. Her rather hawkish, matronly features, which seemed in stark contrast to her smooth, modulated tones, nevertheless had her playing primarily benevolent roles as concerned relatives and professionals, somewhat in the background. In 1955, she portrayed the character of Mrs. Stevens in the Honeymooners classic 39 episode, Twas the Night Before Christmas. In 1958, Anne earned strong marks for her portrayal of Sarah Delano Roosevelt along Tony-winning Ralph Bellamy's FDR in Sunrise at Campobello on Broadway. She lost the 1960 role to Anne Shoemaker. Anne was actively involved on the SAG and AFRA boards throughout a good portion of her career. Unmarried, she died in 1988 of natural causes after completing a small part in the popular film Field of Dreams, 1989. So there you go. You know a little bit more about Anne Seymour, who played Mrs. Stevens in the uh, Christmas episode of the Classic 39. Now we're going to continue on to our next four questions. 
Uh, we're going to get back to the trivia now. And we got question number five, which is from the Classic 39 episode, Twas the Night Before Christmas, which first aired on December 24th, 1955. What is the song Norton is singing while decorating the Christmas tree? Is it A, O Christmas Tree? Is it B, Deck the Halls? Is it C, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Or is it D, The Christmas Song? Question 6 is from the Lost episode Stars Over Flatbush, which first aired April 2nd, 1955. In this episode, we find out that Norton puts something odd on vanilla ice cream when he eats it. What does Norton put on his vanilla ice cream? Is it A, Knockwurst? Is it B, Mustard? Is it C, Salt? Or is it D, Cheese? Question number seven is from the Classic 39 episode, Please Leave the Premises, which first aired on March 10th, 1956. Ralph, Alice, and Norton are holed up in the Cramden's apartment because Ralph refuses to pay the rent increase. Norton wants to leave because he has plans with Trixie. Where does Norton plan on going with Trixie? Is it A, over to her mother's for drinks? Is it B, over to the delicatessen for some carved ham? Is it C, out for a nice steak dinner? Or is it D, out to see a movie? Question 8 is from the lost episode, The Checkup, which first aired on October 20th, 1956. Ralph thinks Alice wants him to get a life insurance policy. Ralph figures out what it would take to make him a risk for a life insurance policy. This would surely squash Alice's plan. What does Ralph fake in front of the doctor when he arrives? Is it A, a bad smoking habit? Is it B, chronic alcoholism? Is it C, a respiratory infection? Or is it D, bad eyesight? And now we have our bonus question, and Brother Brian Carney is back in the booth. So, Brian, give us the bonus question. Now listen, I'm going to play you a soundbite from one of the lost episodes. Oh, that's right. This is Brother Brian Carney. Now, you give it a listen, and then give it your best guess as to which episode it's from. Ready? Set? Go! I was oh. just telling Stanley about Larry Spencer, that he's down in South Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Larry Spencer, he's down in uh, South Africa there. Uh, Larry Spencer is down in South Africa? Yeah, he's still down there. <laughs> Who's down there? Who are you talking about? Larry Spencer! Oh, yeah, hey! I forgot to tell you, you got back in town last night. What lost episode was that soundbite from? Was it A, Box Top Kid? B, expectant father. C, principal of the thing. Or D, game called on account of marriage. Okay, we're going to break for a commercial. Uh, when I come back, Brian will give us uh, the answer to the bonus question, uh, the answers to the last four questions, and then we'll have our last segment, Honeymooners in Print. We'll have part two of three of Marilyn Monroe, Never Lived on Chauncey Street. And now for the special code to my Etsy store for November 15th and 16th only. You need to enter the code BOWLINGBAGBALL and you'll get 20% off your order over $20. And again, that code is BOWLINGBAGBALL. 
hot diggity dog, Armor Franks. Ahoy there, mateys. Here's a new hot dog diggity party kit. This time, a pirate party. As host, you get a real pirate hat and eye patch. And there's a treasure map and ring for you and every member of your crew. Follow the map to discover your own Armor Star Frank and a nifty pirate ring. Then everybody gather around and dig into those sizzly, juicy Armor Star Franks. Hot dog diggity, are they good. Armor Star Franks. Be the first to give a real pirate party. Send in this backboard plus 50 cents. This party book inside each package of Armor Franks has loads of party ideas and tells you just how to send for your pirate party kit. Hats, eye patch, eight maps, and eight rings. Ask Mom to get some Armor Star Franks tomorrow. Okay, I'm back, and here's our answer to the bonus question. And the answer was D. Game called on account of marriage. Well, thank you, old pal of mine, Brother Carney, for the bonus question. Really do appreciate it. And I have the answers to the last four questions. Question five was from the Classic 39 episode, Twas the Night Before Christmas. What is the song Norton is singing when he's decorating the Christmas tree? And that was B, Deck the Halls. Question number six was from the Lost episode, Stars over Flatbush. In this episode, we find out that Norton puts something odd on his vanilla ice cream when he eats it. And Norton, why don't you tell us what you put on that ice cream? think I'd be dumb enough to put salt in my coffee, do you? Well, what's dumber than putting mustard on vanilla ice cream? <laughs> mustard on vanilla ice cream? Who puts mustard on vanilla ice cream? I do. <laughs> okay, that's kind of gross, Norton. Even the other ones would have been gross, too, but, you know, can't put, like, chocolate syrup or something. Come on, mustard? Jeesh. Okay, question seven is from the Classic 39 episode, Please Leave the Premises. Ralph, Alice, and Norton are all holed up in the Cramden's apartment because Ralph refuses to pay the rent increase and they really can't go anywhere. But Norton says he has plans with Trixie. And where does Norton plan on going with Trixie? And the answer was C, out for a nice steak dinner. Oh, that sounds much better than uh, vanilla ice cream and mustard. Okay, question eight was from the Lost episode, The Checkup. Ralph thinks Alice wants him to get a life insurance policy. So Ralph comes up with a scheme to make him at risk for a life insurance policy. And what does Ralph fake in front of the doctor when he arrives? And it is B, chronic alcoholism. I don't know if you've seen the episode The Checkup, but uh, they use the same bottle that they used for Head of the House, which was a classic 39 episode, where Alice replaces the wine with grape juice, and they get drunk, but it's the same exact bottle. And um, another trivia fact is that this is just the second episode uh, lost episode after the classic 39 had ended. So they continued with the honeymooner skits even after the classic 39. And this is only the second one. 
after the last Classic 39 episode, A Man's Pride. Okay, our last segment of the show is what I like to call Honeymooners in Print. And these are news articles, magazine excerpts, excerpts from books that have something to do with the cast. And today's Honeymooners in Print is from Audrey Meadows' autobiography, Love, Alice, which was published in 1995. So we have part two for you. And this was from the chapter Marilyn Monroe Never Lived on Chauncey Street. And once again, our producer brother Lily is here to give us part two. So take it away, brother Lily. Hey everyone, this is Brother Lily, and I have part two from Audrey Meadows' book, Love, Alice. Uh, the chapter, it's chapter eight, Marilyn Monroe Never Lived on Chauncey Street. So I have part two, and we're going to continue where we left off. As the male population of North America surrounded her, babbling incoherently, Wise women refusing to converse with bowls of potato salad or bartenders who wanted to talk with Jolt and Joe sought that sacred haven of the ladies' room. I was of that number. Presumably, when large numbers of ladies had retired to their room, one of the lusty gallants attempted to lift Mrs. DiMaggio onto one of the impromptu trestle tables, rich in cholesterol, for a photo. But either the lifter had left his muscles on the squash court, or the lady was more solid than dainty porcelain because the hoist was less than successful. No, the table didn't break, nor did the food become airborne, but Marilyn learned that it was important for her, too, to leave center stage and visit the ladies' room. As I recall, there were three of us before the vanity mirrors assisting nature with puff and lipstick when she entered our new home away from home. Jean Carney, Art's wife, Rosemary Wilson, columnist Earl Wilson's beautiful wife, and yours truly. However, when I've recounted this tale, other women recall they were also present. If all are right, Shore's ladies' room must have been nearly as big as DiMaggio's Yankee Stadium. But hey, I didn't take roll call. Marilyn swept in wearing that molded-to-the-body black dress with spaghetti shoulder straps, and she looked most fetching, but she had a problem. In that wispy little girl voice, she exhaled, Ladies, I wonder if you can help me. I seem to have got a splinter in my... <coughs> Proving her point, she upped her skirt, and I will give testimony that she certainly did have a splinter in her... <coughs> But Jean Carney, an experienced mother familiar with splinter crises, acted with a plume. A straight pin sterilized by my cigarette lighter's flame, and Dr. Carney probed and produced with a technique John Hopkins couldn't have matched. And she waived her fee. Marilyn was most grateful. When we told Jackie, he reported that his carnation pin was carefully honed for just such emergencies and we should please keep him in mind for the next surgical procedure, especially if Marilyn was afflicted again. I got to know Marilyn Monroe fairly well because we shared the same hairdresser in New York. He was an inspired designer and a superb finisher, but there was one problem, Marilyn. The dressmaker would always be very late for my appointment 
if he had a prior one with Marilyn. 30 minutes, 40, an hour, he'd be perched in an answer room of her apartment awaiting the Monroe presence. She was not just tardy. She was unreachable until her personal clock struck. What was more important to her? She had moved her bed over to the window. She would be lying on it, munching ripe red apples, while observing the chaos of Manhattan traffic from her private perch as a form of entertainment. The designer was hesitant to complain, but I was not. I told her in spirited tones that when she kept him waiting, she was keeping me waiting. She was apologetic in her kittenish way and promised to be good in that breathy child's voice. So we switched to grown-up girl talk about gossip, movies, men, and other vital concerns. But nobody could persuade Marilyn to do anything on time. Vexed, I mentioned the problem to Jackie. Take away her apples, he advised. Tell her they'll make her lumpy. Yet Marilyn was not about to become lumpy. She was pledged to retain her most prominent physical attributes. She had a special routine for a thorough, thoracic workout. Kidnapping our designer and his buddy, my hairdresser, she took them to Central Park Lake for a brisk two hours of rowboat voyaging. While she wore sunglasses and a black wig as a disguise, she insisted one of the guys don a flowing blonde wig. Marilyn was to be the rowboat's one-man crew, and the boy-girl passenger sat in the back as ballast. Up the lake, down the lake, around the lake, they toured as Marilyn heaved and stretched strong arms to encourage surprised muscles and tendons to make firm the Monroe chest. When Jackie was told about this singular water sport, I stilled myself for a super baldy response. But the very picture of this endeavor to maintain and enhance two of the great wonders of the modern world had stunned him into a state approaching awe. If she'll let me ride in the rowboat, he said in a solemn prayer, I'll buy her a battleship. And he added, I'll even wear that wig. So that concludes part two of Marilyn Monroe Never Lived on Chauncey Street. I'll have part three, the conclusion, on the next show. Okay, so that does it for show number 54. I hope everybody enjoyed the show today. Hope you have a nice holiday. I'll be back early next year with another Honeymooners Trivia Podcast. You can also listen to my past podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. And I think we're also on Google Play. I'm not sure. Or you can go on Podomatic.com. That's where this show originates. If you want to message me with any questions about the Honeymooners, or if you have any suggestions for the show, if you just want to tell me that you like the show, anything, my email is fullgrownnutcompany, and that's the abbreviation C-O. So it's fullgrownnutco at gmail.com. And I do check that on a regular basis. I might not get back to you, you know, next day, but I do check it at least once a week. And be sure to put in the subject line, Honeymooners Trivia Podcast, so I can find your email. Otherwise, it may get lost in the sea of junk mail. So 
Make sure you put that in the subject line. So until I see you once again, or should I say until you hear me once again, remember a great stress reliever from a busy day at work or even a day that didn't go quite so well as you planned. Uh, you always need to end with some Honeymooners episodes or even start the day with some Honeymooners episodes. You'll surely go through your day with a big smile on your face. Or if you'd rather repeat the mantra, pins and needles, needles and pins, it's a happy man who grins. Oh, it's your choice. I'd pick the first one uh, watching the Honeymooners. So thanks for listening, everybody. And this is Brother Norton signing off. You hey Jack, boom, boom, the foamy cleanser, close today, right down the same This has been a full grown nut production. You can find us on iTunes, Podomatic.com, and Spotify.